broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Chattanooga, Tennessee, it's time for Chattanooga Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Hello, listeners. This is Sherry Young with Women in Business with Chattanooga Business Radio. Visit us at chattanooga.businessradiox.com. You're already there if you're listening. Please share this link with your friends, family, coworkers, leads, neighbors, all of that. We would love to promote women in business, encourage, empower, and equip them. That's why we're here every Wednesday at noon. And today I have with me a very special guest. Every week we have a special guest. Um, if you haven't noticed, if you've been listening, um, you you most likely know that each woman that comes through the studio here is is incredibly gifted and committed in her practice area and passionate about encouraging other women in their careers. And today we have Katie King. Welcome, Katie. Hello. Thank you so much. So glad to have you with us, Katie is uh, Katie King Law. You can look her up and it's katiekinglaw.com. That's right. Okay. And for those of you Chattanoogans who have heard of EPB, yes, and Gig City and all of the wonderful uh, accolades our city has has garnered over the years for being uh, the fastest internet. Woohoo. Yep. Um, Katie is behind that. She served as senior counsel with EPB for 10 years. That's right has since left and created her own law practice, Katie King Law. Yes? Yes. Yes. I'm about a month in business. Yes. So um, definitely an idea that was several years in the making. Kind of a natural progression for me in some ways, but a big risk. I I would say some members of my family probably thought I had lost my mind and others definitely understood. Yeah. I come from a family of small business owners. So, you know, those that kind of had the entrepreneurial spirit certainly um, understood and I think are happy for me as long as I don't have to ask them to help me pay my light bill. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of, you always have that when you go into business for yourself, you have people who are cheering you on and they know you well, they know how you tick and they, really expected you to do this. It's just like a matter of when, right? Yeah. And then you have naysayers who just kind of, they're like, oh, we're happy for you if you're happy. Yeah. And But it's a watch and, you know, watch and wait, you yeah. know, and, and kind of see how long that's going to fly, yeah. right? Kind so, of holding their breath and yeah. going, really happy for you. Don't fail. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so, um, so I've been wanting to get Katie on the show for a, a few weeks now. And um, I did talk about you. I didn't mention your name, but I did talk about you, I think, on the very first show that we had, because <laughs> that was my the first day you moved in uh-huh. here. We're broadcasting here from and I say this at the beginning and I got sidetracked, but we're in the Regis executive offices on the 10th floor of the Talon building. If you're not familiar with Regis, Regis offers various sizes of private offices uh, for independent uh, independents like mm-hmm. us. And I had just uh, closed down the feminology, I don't know, estate or whatever yeah. it was, this great big space I had and moved in here into like 400 square feet. And that's all I need right now. Yeah. And you had come in that day, I think, and we both screamed in the hallway and yeah. I was like, ah! my tribe. It was awesome. And I came in here and went right on air and and mentioned that because I was just like on steroids. I was so excited. Yeah. So you're over here and you are, tell us what you're doing in your law practice, what kinds of clients you're working with. And let's just really plug your business because I want people to know what kind of work you do. And then we're going to go into the backstory after this. Sure. So my firm, I'm currently a solo practitioner. So it's just me running a very lean operation. I'm focused on um, commercial transactions. And so I'm still working on that elevator pitch, you know, to get that just perfect. And depending on who I'm talking to, I might say it different ways. But essentially what I'm really good at is negotiation, deal making, um, and writing. And so, you know, for me, my experience the last 10 years has been handling all of the business needs of a pretty large company. 
really handling anything from the marketing department's needs. So looking at advertising, looking at copyright protection, intellectual property protection, um, handling litigation and risk management, doing contracts of all different varieties, whether that's, you know, construction projects. Um, you know, this company built a pretty massive 600 square mile um, fiber optic system yes. in, in a pretty short period of time. Um, you know, whether that's doing retail service contracts, you name it, I've probably gotcha. written something close to it. And the cool thing about moving from having one client, which was really, um, you know, over 500 employees and, um, you know, it, it varied, I think, at times from 12 divisions to, you know, 13, 14 mm -hmm. divisions. So, you know, it really was this kind of at, at any given time, 50 headed giant mm -hmm. with a plethora of needs that that really prepared me well to be able to understand the kinds of things that business owners face whether they are just getting started and launching um which is kind of what i'm yes. you know i'm experiencing some of that stuff firsthand now in in a really different way um or whether that's established businesses who are looking to kind of protect themselves um you know minimize risk be proactive you know, in some cases, this is one thing I really love to work on is helping business owners actualize their vision. A, a company might be in a great place of growth um, where they're looking to create a new revenue stream or a new line of business, but they really need some help and expertise looking at um, what am I going to be taking on? What is this going to cost me? How do I do this in a smart way? And what things do I need to be worried about from a policy perspective, from um, a risk perspective, from, you know, a regulatory perspective in some cases? And so, you know, it, it's just the basic nuts and bolts, crossing T's and dotting I's type of stuff that um, it, it needs to get done. It's yes. not always sexy, but what is great about it is a great lawyer who's business-minded can really be a partner um, and help a, a client kind of get where they want to be. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I love that opportunity. Where I was in my corporate practice, I got I got the ability to do that in a pretty big way. Yes. And, you know, going into law school, I thought I was going to be a divorce lawyer. I mean, I thought I was going to help wow. you know, women get divorced and um, move on in their lives. And I think where that passion came from for me was being a child of divorce and kind of seeing what happened you know, when my parents split mm -hmm. and, you know, this family split up, um, you know, what used to be the income of two parties all of mm -hmm. a sudden, you know, changed a lot. And that affected me. That affected my brother. It affected both of my parents in some key ways. And so, you know, I carried that with me right into the world. And um, when I was my third year in law school, I had two experiences that changed my mind really quick about how I wanted to practice. And the first was, I had the opportunity to clerk um, between second and third year with a judge here in Chattanooga. So I clerked in circuit court with Neil Thomas, who is a great man and you know one of my first legal mentors. My first day I show up and he asks me, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be a divorce lawyer. And he says, okay, I want you to go upstairs and you know observe this hearing. And so I do. And it was just awful. Mm. I mean, it was just a parade of horribles, you know, yes. this, this couple fighting over changing the custody order. And I mean, it was just every kind of abuse, drugs, just the nastiest, yes. you know, most horrible things that people do to one another. And I went back downstairs at the end of the day and he said, what did you think? And I said, how did you know it was going to be like that? And he yeah. said, they're all like that. Yeah. <laughs> so get ready. You yeah. Know, that's that's what it's going to be. You'll be in it day every in, day, day out. Yeah. That really kind of did something to me. You know, it got my wheels turning. And then after that, I had already signed up to be in this clinic my third year doing family law. So in Boston, where I was in school at Suffolk Law School, um, you know, third year, second and third year law students can represent um, indigent clients. So people who can't really afford sure. representation. And, you know, in the criminal system, you 
you have a right to have an attorney represent you. But in the civil system, you don't. You know, the state's not going to pay for that. So, um, you know, a clinic is a good option for people. And so I had one client. I did not have the emotional strength and fortitude to kind of separate my ability to take care of her legal problems from the compassion and concern yeah. I felt for her. Yeah. Um, and so I knew it wasn't for me. I mean, yeah. Very quickly. I just put me in the business world, yes. you know, um, where no matter what kind of law you practice, you're going to have to make hard choices. Yeah. But the kinds of choices and the consequences that I saw from the tough choices I had to make, mm -hmm. very different. Mm -hmm. And I was really lucky to get to work for a great company who was involved in doing some pretty awesome things. Yes for the Chattanooga community, yeah. you know, and, and it's cool to get to see um, your hometown yeah. kind of turn into something that, you know, a completely different place. Yes. True to what it was before. But, you know, I think about the Chattanooga that I grew up in, you know, I lived in North Chattanooga when I was in high school. And I remember when there was, you know, the only thing on Fraser Avenue really <laughs> was the mud pie. Yeah. You know yeah, what I, I mean? That. And it was yeah. like, oh my gosh, you can go and get a mocha, you know, and, and walk from, yeah. you know, North Chattanooga over to the mud pie. Yeah. And then people would be like, you walk in North Chattanooga? It's yeah. so dangerous. I mean, yeah. you yeah. know, people don't remember that today, but yeah. it's like, you know, it's 20 years ago, sure. 25 years ago. Um, it's cool. And knowing that I was working for, a company that was taking a part in that, um, you know, being a part of that team to really watch what happened, you know, to, to bring this economy uh, to, to the point it's at today yeah. where there's so much opportunity and there's so much happening. Yes. Um, it was really hard to leave, but it would have been harder to stay. Yeah. You know? So. And I want to talk about that okay. too. But I think, I mean, as you say, what a privilege, you know, what an amazing experience you've had yeah. in the last 10 years. And, and now you're bringing that into private practice and you're working with, you know, I do want to kind of demystify this a little bit because having been with a rather large company, you know, the perception could be that you do only large, you know, multi-party transactions. I'm making this up. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the actual legalese would be. <laughs> you're, but you're doing pretty good. Am I doing pretty good? Okay. <laughs> so there's that. And then there's the word commercial. Mm -hmm. And so on the Women in Business show, we're intelligent people and our listeners are intelligent people. Sure. But I like to get really clear, you know, really clear for people. Um, and so the word commercial, mm -hmm. like you do commercial transactions, right? Yeah. So what in the world does what, that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and what type of business, uh, you mentioned somebody that could be growing, but what other types of businesses could use your expertise? So, you know, what I've been saying is anything a business needs, I can probably handle it. Yeah. And whether that's, you know, a hot dog vendor on the street corner yeah. who is in business as, you know, I, I Katie King have yeah. set up, yeah. you know, Katie King's hot dogs yeah. and I, it's just me and yeah. I pay the money from my bank account and I go buy buns and hot dogs on yeah. the corner or whether it's, you know, a very sophisticated, large, complicated company Obviously. with multiple business right. lines like right. BPB. Okay. Everything in between. And so, this is really cutting to the core. And I feel like, and in this show, listeners, you all know, we all I always start out a little bumpy, but I have, I want to get quickly into this organic conversation that just happens between two people. And I'm fortunate to know these women outside of the studio. So, I mean, I'm, I'm always thinking about where I want to go with the conversation because you have so much to offer. And one of the key um, offerings that you have to bring our listeners today is this discussion around self-worth, right? Yeah. And um, whether you're, you know, listening and you work for a company or you own your own business or you're at home with your children, wherever you may be in your world right now at this moment, I think this conversation has relevance. 
for, for everyone out there. And, and you mentioned you can, you know, if it has to do with the business, you can handle it, right? Yeah. So it's a small hot dog company or a large corporation. And I think what we do as women and what we do in business as women in business often is we go into business for ourselves and we don't really know our own worth, right? That's right. And that can put you out of business. And it can, it's a devastating experience to actually put your services or products on the table and not have those things priced appropriately. That's right. Right. And then to stand behind, right, what your price is. So just for example, you came from a um, major utility company here. You had a set salary. You knew what you made. You agreed to it, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, and um, when you left, that didn't go with you. No. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> Unfor- you know, good, bad, and different. It didn't yeah. go with you. And you made that decision consciously, obviously. What happened? Like, how did you, how did you go into this inner conversation about, I'm now Katie King Law, yeah. right? Here's what I cost, and and that's the way that is. So yeah. share that with us. Okay. So really, I would say about four years ago, I started having this itch, and I call it the entrepreneurial itch, right? I didn't know that's what it was at the time. What it felt like at the time was I was just in a really bad mood most every day when I'd come home from work, and yeah. I would take it out on my husband. Yeah. And, um, who's still hanging out. He's still around Jordan. (laughs) Hi, if you're listening, love you. Um, and you know, I I just would come home cranky and worn out and I wasn't really taking very good care of myself either. Mm. I was carrying around about, you know, 80 pounds that I didn't need. And, um, really my only escape was food, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, that was kind of my sole source of enjoyment in life. And so, you know, being real honest, I just wasn't doing well all around. And I didn't really know what that was about. I mean, I couldn't put it into words. I just knew I wasn't real happy. And I didn't, you know, by, by all appearances, I had this great job. I owned a house. I was making plenty of money. What's going on? You know, what's going on? And, um, those are kind of first world problems. Right. Right. But even first world problems will kill you sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you can't stop, you know, stop yeah. eating, it's Feeding eventually it. going to get it. up, yeah. you know, get up with you. And so, um, you know, I got, I got contacted by a mentor and a former boss who kind of talked to me. He had left um, EPB and was working somewhere else and said, you know, are you happy because I'd really like to steal you away if you're not. And, you know, that caused me to take stock of where I was, really evaluate what's good about where I am, what could be better, and what's missing. And so I was really kind of struggling with this, you know, this decision. I had this opportunity, and there were some things that looked great about it, but there were also some things that were kind of, you know, didn't feel totally right. And in the midst of weighing all of that, I found out I was going to have a baby. And, you know, that was kind of a game changer for me because, you know, this opportunity I was evaluating was going to involve a lot of travel, a lot of, you know, just bouncing around. Mm -hmm. And so at the time it was kind of like, well, um, you know, I I actually have it really great and I need to just get it together. Yeah. (laughs) Shake so, it off. Yeah. yeah. So then was, you know, pregnant, uh, went on maternity leave. I tell you what, that was just the whole experience of pregnancy, looking for daycare, um, the, yes. the whole impact of becoming a mom. Yes. And, and, you know, I have to be honest about this too. I was a very ambitious young lawyer. And so when I went to work, I was 24. Um, I passed the bar when I was 25 and, you know, some of the women that I worked with who were a little older than me, um, you know, were, were moms. There's one woman in particular who I was really close with, had her second child when we were working together and really struggled coming back 
to work from uh, from maternity leave. And man, I used that to my advantage. I mean, yeah. I really went after her and kind of used that opportunity to position myself. Right. Really ambitious. Not after her as a person. No. But more but like dive into the work. Yes. Yeah. Like she's. Yeah. Take as much you know, as you can. Yeah. Use I'm here that for oper- you. Yeah. Exactly. I'm here for you. I'm your go-to girl now. Yeah. You right. Know what I mean. Right. And that's not even a disingenuous thing. It's she's she's you know, half in, half out. Yeah. And and as mothers, we know what that feels yeah. like, right? Well, and you're fully in the game at work and you're grabbing that opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so you spent that decade that you spent, I can imagine knowing you um, the the way I do, that you, you soaked up every bit of learning you could while you were there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so now I'm going to fast forward you because okay. it's, there's... Because I'm taking too long telling no, this story. No, it's good. I just... <laughs> and you have so much to bring, but I want to get to okay. that that nugget about, yeah. you know, you exit the situation yeah. and now you hang your shingle, yeah. right? There's a price list with that. Yeah. And, uh, and so so how how did you... How did I get to How that? How did you point? get to that point? Yeah. So I'll say, and and thank you for kind of uh, bringing me back to this. You know what I was going to say is when I became a mom, I really got focused on how much time I have in a day. You know, it happens in some funny ways. And so the first thing that happened to me was they came and handed me this baby and said she eats every three hours. Right. And I was like, man, you know, okay. <laughs> How much can you get done in a three-hour period, you know? Um, And you just learn really quickly in a way that is hard to describe and will not connect, except every mother who's listening gets this, that, man, we get a lot done. We get a lot done. For me, you know, that just, that got me thinking about, um, you know, my time with this little person and what, what that meant to her and what it meant to me. The other thing that, and my daughter's name is Lola. She's she's two and some change. Um, the other thing that started happening is I began realizing that she's going to do what I do, right? Right. She's going to follow my example. She's not going to do what I tell her. And if, I, if what I'm telling her is different than what I'm showing her, it's really going to yeah. confuse her yeah. and it's going to create problems for us. And I know that because... I am owed some serious paybacks for the way I treated my mom and my stepmom right. from that decade between 14 and 24. Right. Um, we made it and yeah. they're still hanging I'm in too. I'm living that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Right now. I, I'll be looking for lots of support when we get there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and really, I mean, I just, I remember I had this day where I was looking at my daughter and I just said, man, you know, I've been at war with my body all this time. And where did I learn that? You know, I mean, I had to be honest that I learned it from the women around me, the adult mm-hmm. women that I grew up with. They were all on a diet. They would all eat and then talk about, oh, this and that. And what does that have to do with value? Well, to me, it's all about self-esteem and it's all about self-worth. And so, you know, I had to start asking myself, am I being the example of what I want my daughter to be? Am I setting a good example for her because I want her to know how powerful she is. I want her to not accept less than she's worth. I don't want her to spend her time doing something that she's not happy with. I don't want her to medicate her feelings with whatever right. substance it is. You right. know, it could be drugs or booze or relationships or sure. you know, spending whatever. Right. Um, so I gotta get this together. And I really yeah. don't have long to get it together. Yeah, because she's gonna not be a baby. Yeah. And she's going to be a talking, yeah. hearing, cognitive yeah. little human. Yeah. And, and so you look at her mm-hmm. and you look at so many hours in the day. Yep. And you realize basically my time is worth something. Yeah. My time with her is gold. Yeah. My time away from her is a cost. Yeah. Right. It cost her something. It cost me something. It's also a gain. Mm-hmm. But she can't be with your kids 24 hours a day. Oh, no, I'd lose my mind. Exactly. Props so, to any woman that, who does that. I mean, because I, that job is too hard for me to do. Exactly. But in, in your case, so you're away from your child. You choose to go on to work and start your own practice. And did being a mom then actually factor into your race? Oh, a- absolutely. Isn't I mean, that interesting? So I'll tell you what happened for me is I, 
I got to a place where I said, okay, here's what's going to have to happen. If I'm going to um, not see my kid, if I'm going to be working 80 and 90 hours a week, and I'm going to be the absentee parent in my family because I'm the breadwinner in my Mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my husband also works and, but, but by far he is the flexible parent. If daycare closes because of snow, it's he's him. the one taking off and picking her right. up. Right. He's the one that's taking care of things at home. Yeah. And, you know, I'm lucky to have a partner who is secure enough in who he is as a man and wow. yeah. secure enough in our relationship that, you know, we do what's necessary for Team King. Yeah. Right. And, and so um, because of his contributions, our family is able to do a lot more than, you know, if I was just on my own and I never lose sight of that, but you know, that's, that's tough for him too. And so, you know, I'll tell you, honestly, I started studying the market because what happened for me is I really started looking at this question. Why am I unhappy and why am I struggling with taking care of myself? And, um, as I started getting to that answer, it was really clear that, you know, I'm not growing. I've reached a place where I'm stuck. And so even though I love this company I'm working for, and even though I have this great job and I can name probably 15, 20 lawyers in Chattanooga who would, you know, run me over with a bus for the opportunity to have my job and probably do it for less than I was making. Yeah. um, It just wasn't for me anymore. It didn't fit anymore. Mm. And that felt irresponsible and ungrateful and crazy. But, you know, and, and I really tried everything I could do to, to make change myself yes. to fit. And so, you know, at some point I just said, this is, I've got to try this. I've got to try something different. So I started studying the market at what's out there for me. Um, if I'm not going to be here, what can I do? And, you know, one of the things that I did to try and help myself stay is I, you know, I worked with a coach and she helped me get really clear on what are my strengths and what are my gifts. And, you know, what I mean by strengths and gifts are what are those things that I can do really well that other people can do them, but maybe not as well as I can. Um, And, and, you know, it was interesting. I mean, when she would say to me, you're a really good writer. And I would go, well, yeah, people say that to me all the time, you know, well, not everybody is a really good writer. There's a lot of really bad writers. Yeah. Now, most of the writing we read is decent ba- writing. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's a lot. Yeah. I said decent. I okay. didn't say great. I'll take okay. decent. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you don't see the garbage. I mean, you don't see the first draft or exactly. you know, in a lot of cases, even the fourth and fifth drafts. Yeah. Right. Over time, I started to believe, okay, yeah, this is something that's worth something and not everybody can do this. And that's really important. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, I've had people tell me in my lifetime and career, you're really good at this. And I found myself surprised to hear that because, and, and that's a reflection of just not really even being aware of my own gifts and talents, right? When I'm in that place, when I hear it, and it's shocking. Mm-hmm. And it may not be shocking. That's an, maybe an exaggeration, but it's certainly like, and you know, this awareness that someone else recognizes yeah. an area where I create value. Yeah. And so I think, you know, basically monetizing ourselves, that's mm-hmm. essentially what we're doing when we're going into business, right? Yeah. You're monetizing your time, your skill sets, your gifts and talents. And part of that is determined by their value in the marketplace, right? I mean, there are parts of that we can't control. And then there there are parts of pricing ourselves, monetizing ourselves that we can control. Mm -hmm. And bringing into that process the awareness and the willingness to say, you know, I really am good at this, you know? And we say on the show a lot um, to listen to the women and the people around you. Yeah. And to ask for their input, because if you create your own business in a vacuum, you create your plan in a vacuum, you create your pricing in a vacuum, chances are you're not on, you know, you're not spot on. You're off somewhere because you haven't, it's like a living mirror, the people around you, and you haven't uh, made room for that feedback and input. So you're in this place with this coach, which is a golden opportunity. Yeah. 
um, that many of us would love to have. It's a, a bit of a luxury, right? Of course. Yeah. And you're learning your values and, and uh, your value, right? Mm-hmm. And you're working through that with her. And then what happens? You know, I'd be, and this was a, a, a process of about a year working okay. with her. And I'll say the goal when we started was for me to get a promotion and this big executive opportunity somewhere. You know, I mean, okay. I saw myself, the vision I started out with was, I'm going to be, you know, in a C-suite somewhere. I didn't know I'd be creating it for myself someday. Right. But, um, you know, really her task was to help me figure out what is this that you keep running into every few years that you're not satisfied? Mm-hmm. Why can't you sit still? You know, what is this mm-hmm. urge that you need to feed? And so she helped me identify, you know, there's some talents that you've got. And I'll tell you the one that really, I mean, it was funny. We both had a laugh about it, but she said, you've got a creative gift. You've got an aesthetic value. Well, you know, when you're working in a company that is a utility and that is stock full of engineers and left-brained people and you're the lawyer, Yes. Um, you know, that that's weird to have yeah. an aesthetic value. Absolutely. And, and for know. people in the creative business, you know, we don't perceive attorneys yeah. as creative necessarily, particularly corporate ones. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're hearing this from her and she's going, I don't know if this is good news or bad news for you. And I don't know what it <laughs> means in terms of your future here, but you know, yeah, you've got this gift. And I think not feeding it and nurturing it is a big part of this, you know, this dissatisfaction that you're feeling. And so she encouraged me to find ways to explore it and feed it. And whether that was in my job or outside, just, you know, we've got to take care of our gifts. And so for me, you know, the way I channeled that was through writing, you know, I mean, I would write blog pieces and I would write, you know, I mean, I just would take time to write. Um, whether it was for publication or public consumption or not. And, and that was something that I really had let go dormant because in a corporate practice, that wasn't my role. Mm-hmm. That wasn't something that the company and my client wanted and needed from me. Um, and so, you know, that was a, a critical moment for me. And I think at some point, you know, like I said, I started studying the market and saying, okay, if I don't fit here, where do I fit? And what I found was if I left Chattanooga um, for a bigger city, then there was all kinds of opportunity for me. I mean, double, triple more than that um, in terms of what I was making. But I didn't want to leave Chattanooga. I mean, I don't want to pack up my family and my daughter and move to the West Coast or the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of professionals, I mean, this is yeah. A common question. This is a, this is a big deal. I'll tell you the bar association is really looking at, um, Chattanooga has got a bit of a problem with retention, um, recruiting and retention of diverse attorneys. And so professionals who are people of color, professionals who are women, you know, rising to the partner level, rising to the ownership level in law firms. And I've been privileged to work as part of a team, that's kind of looking at ways to address that. But I think um, Chattanooga is positioned in a really great place right now, you mm-hmm. know? And so for me, I was really looking for security and stability and a corporate opportunity brings you that. Mm-hmm. I was just also looking for, I want more leadership opportunity. Mm-hmm. I want the ability to define more the kinds of work that I have coming in the door. Yes. And, um, you know, I heard somebody say this, I can't remember who, but it's kind of, I'm not for everyone and everyone's not for me. And that is it, so important. You know? Yeah. When you're in business for yeah. yourself. Um, as a professional. As a professional. You know? Yes. And, yeah. and so for me as a corporate lawyer, and especially the last year in my practice, I was, it was, I was it, I was the only in-house lawyer for a year, close to a year. And, and I, I did that two different times in my practice. And so my, my practice became much more a, a project manager type role where right. I was really overseeing and managing the work of other attorneys, which had some great benefit to it. Um, sure. B- but it wasn't what I wanted to be doing and I wasn't using my gifts. Yes. So, you know, it comes back to the same thing. When I talk to people about negotiation, 
I'll really say, look, you know, when you're negotiating, here's what you got to do. You got to find out what do you want and need? What does the other party want and need? And what is it worth to both of you? Yeah. Right. That's where you start. And then after that, it's all about the art and the psychology of communication. And that's, that's how you get to making a deal. Right. Yeah. Um, now, there's lots and lots of people who have studied the art and the practice of negotiation. I'm lucky to count myself among them now. Yeah. Um, and so for me, that's, that's essentially what I did. I went and talked to a coach and I said, look, you know, it's time for me to make a move. Do you have any advice for me? He was the first one to really say, why don't you start your own practice? Why don't you keep taking care of the client you've taken care of your entire career? Just do it in a different way keep the relationship, but restructure it in a way that is a win-win for both of you. And honestly, I didn't have the confidence to, to really see at first, my work has value. My client values it. This relationship is important enough to both of us that we can work it out. Um, but because I had what you're talking about, which is that network of supportive mm -hmm. people. And because I had done enough personal work on myself to get healthy, right? So I've lost 50 pounds in the last year, yeah. just attacking it. I mean, I hired a personal trainer and yes. I did the work. Yeah. You know, I, I basically humbled myself enough to say, look, this isn't working for me. I want to be around to see my daughter grow up and I want to have the energy and the strength to chase her around and also set a good example for her. Yes. Well, I couldn't sort out why I wasn't feeding my body and taking care of it well without also addressing what else was going on exactly. with me. Yeah. So because I had developed some of that emotional strength and because the people that helped me do that gave me tools like, you know, affirmation and helped me build my self-esteem and self-confidence, I was in a very receptive place. And because I had mentors, you know, mm -hmm. strong mentoring relationships with people who really just said to me, look, here's your opportunity. You're in the right place at the right time. You just have to have the courage to ask. Yes. Um, and because I had done that groundwork of studying the market, you know, value is just what will a willing buyer pay a willing seller? Yes. That's it. Right. Right. And so but you have to be careful with that. It's you really it's oversimplifying. Well, no, what I mean is women, I think, and, and not every woman is like this. I, I've done it before. And I know other people who have done this where they, um, they're really busy. They're working really hard. They have a great book of business an impressive portfolio. And at the end of the day, the money is just not there. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so being, going into a negotiation, you have to own your worth first yeah. so that you don't agree to something yeah. that isn't going to serve you. And it's right? not sustainable. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I've spent a big part of the last year working on this task force with City Hall. Yes. Um, it's called the Mayor's Council for Women. And I've been part of the team that's looking at economic opportunity. Yes. So um, that has been an incredible experience. I've learned some amazing, amazing things about Chattanooga, about the opportunities for women here, about where we are, where we can be. And, you know, we've come a long way. We have a lot of work left to do. Uh, you know, I'll give you just a couple of yeah, numbers because I've been kind of hitting these stats. Yes. We've, we've just, um, we've just finished work on our final paper. So we've written a series of three papers over the course of the year, and we've just started presenting kind of our, our last piece. So, um, women in Tennessee are 51% of the population. We are 49% of the workforce. We make 85% of consumer purchasing decisions. We do 67% or two thirds of the housework and childcare, largely unpaid. Mm -hmm. And um, we are 8% of CEOs. We are 36% of managers, 26% of business owners. And depending on whether you're a woman of color and a, you know American born citizen, we make anywhere from 59 cents to 78 cents on the dollar to what a man makes. So we're not, some things are not adding up 
the team that I'm a part of, which I mean, man, there are just some boss ladies on this team. You know, that's actually how we met for yeah, the listeners to exactly. know. Yeah, that's right. Part of the reason Sherry and I screamed when we learned we were neighbors is because we we first met when Feminology conducted a series of discussion groups and focus groups for us with some of Chattanooga's women business owners and entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And I tell you what, you know, I knew I was starting my own business then, but that news was not public. Mm -hmm. And those conversations just did so much for me. I mean, just kind of solidified that, yes, I've made the right choice. And yes, this is this is the time to go. And there are some there are some really, really tough situations out there, even in the best situations. Oh, yeah. We learned Uh, some big barriers. And, you know, one of the things that we heard from women throughout the city, and I mean, this is true from the poorhouse to the penthouse. We asked women, what what is holding you back? Identify the top three things that are holding you back from where we want, where you want to be. Yeah. And, um, you know, the biggest ones that we heard kind of across the board in every focus group, childcare was kind of, you know, identified exactly that way. It's too expensive. It's not available. I can't have it when I need it. And that was certainly true for me. I mean, I put yeah. my I put myself on daycare waiting lists before I knew if mm-hmm. I was having a pregnancy that would even really be viable. Right. I mean, I'm I'm writing unknown king, you know, yes. uh, unknown birth date yeah. to get right. on waiting lists. And my daughter was four months old before I got her into daycare. Right. Um, and factoring that into your budget, Yes, yeah. it's really in, that that's a whole nother. I mean, it's it was 10 percent yeah. of what I was earning in my, you know, very like, you know, four times the median uh, take home yeah. for a family in Chattanooga. Yeah. So, um, you it's know, significant. The other thing and not everybody used this this language the same way, but fear is the other big one. And I'll tell you what I love about this is um you know, empowerment, I think, is that you're going to see the quickest returns in what you can do for yourself, right? So um, if you're waiting for somebody else to create an opportunity for you, if you've got to wait for a law to change so you can have an opportunity, that's a process that takes a really long time. If you can change something about yourself, whether it's just as simple as, you know what, I'm going to choose today to believe that I'm a strong, powerful woman and I can start a successful business and I can take what I've done and um, people are going to pay me to do it for them. Um, Yeah. Or it could be, I'm clear, I'm going to get really clear on what I need in order to start that business. And I'm going to go get I'm going to acquire that skill or license or certification. Yeah. If it takes me X amount of months to do it, I'm committed to doing it. Yeah. That alone is hugely empowering. Mm-hmm. You know, we know lots of women who, unlike you, have started their career later in life. They've raised their children, right? Yeah. They've gone back and become very successful real estate agents, dentists, lawyers, even, mm-hmm. Um consultants, coaches, all kinds of things. And um, so it's not, you don't have to wake up and feel, um, and I I totally appreciate what you're saying, but there is that self-talk, but it's also getting really real about what is it going to take for me to be successful. And, And successful means not just making a lot of money really fast or getting a fan club, Mm -hmm. right? That's right. Uh, And Fem has, we have our followers and fan club, and I'm very thankful for all those women. Those women don't pay my electric bill, right? right. And so getting really clear about what creates sustainability for me and my family. And so these women, when you talk about fear is one of the top three things that came back Mm -hmm. in the work you did. That's huge. It is huge. It's how am I going to price myself? How am I going to monetize it? Who am I going to sell to? Are they willing to pay what I'm worth and what I'm asking? And what if, what if, what if, what if, right? It's like jumping off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it's been a real shift in the mental gears for me. And I'm still getting used to this. You know, I mean, yes. I've had, I've had. You're some, a month in. Yeah, I'm. I'm a month. You're a month in business, in. right? Right. And so, um, you know, it's it's interesting to 
to have totally changed this mindset that, you know, I could have a client walk in the door tomorrow and put down a retainer and ask me for more work in the next two months than I might have made in six months at my corporate job. Exactly. Or my phone might not ring at all. Yes. You know, Um, but I mean, for me, and this is not for everybody. Okay. You know, I don't think, and, and a lot of people told me this. I mean, what I heard was it really, it has to hurt so bad not being an entrepreneur and not being a business owner that pain has to be so great that you really cannot do anything else. Exactly. Now, you know, my experience has been, and, and again, it's still real new. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I I get, depending on who it is, my husband is a pretty private person, so I drive him crazy because I'm an open book, right? Yeah. He, he, he gets on me for oversharing. You know, I, I do, I'm kind of, I think you you and I were talking earlier, yeah. you said I'm an external processor. Right. Me too, right? I right. think out loud. Think it as you say it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm a little bit of an open book and I love to Very share much. what I'm learning. Yeah. I mean, I just do. I find that it helps me kind of stay grounded and stay sane. If yeah. I'm alone up in my head, boy, that's a dangerous neighborhood. Exactly. And so, you, you know. You can do more harm to yourself that way. Oh, yeah. Than- <laughs> Yeah. Anything else. You um, but, you know, I have had to really work on that fear voice of saying, you know, what if, what if no one calls? What if, you know, this happens? What if it's just a disaster? Um, and, you know, the way I overcome that is by just focusing on today. Okay. Because I have a plan. I mean, I have a gorgeous plan. It's nothing is going to go according to my plan. I know that nothing has, you know, I sat down with a client yesterday who was on my plan three years from now. I didn't think I would have the opportunity to even get a foot in the door to talk to this client for several years until I was more established. I got, they asked me to come talk to them, you know? So, I mean, you just never know what's going to happen. You never know. I heard a, you know, one of the vice presidents at EPB told me a long time ago, attitude and presentation makes or breaks a conversation. Mm. And I I think that's, um, you know, that's, that has stuck with me in part because it rhymes. And so it sounds good, (laughs) but also that, that attitude piece I think is huge, you know, is that, um, you know, what are you thinking about and, and what is that really creating um, around you. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in that. It sounds hokey to some people maybe, but it's working for me. It's, so yeah, it is I'll working take it. for you. Yeah, <laughs> and it is. And what kind of experience are the people having when they're with you? Yeah. Whether they're a client, potential client, a friend, colleague, yeah. whatever. Well, and that's, that's just being socially aware, so, yeah. you know, and being, um, you know, I think at my age doing the work I do, Often people will work with me, not because I necessarily have a toolbox that's any different from someone else's toolbox. Mm -hmm. It's how I show up in the doing it. It's the relationship. It's the relationship, the attitude, how you present yourself. All those things are huge. Let's go back for just a minute. We've got about 10 minutes left. Okay. Um, And there's so much I want to cover. It's, you know, we have all these questions that you and I put together and I could just, um, I could spend an hour pretty much on any one of these with you um, because it's really rich conversation. But I want to go back. You were talking about the study that you're doing. And, um, you know, big thank you to you for serving in that capacity uh, on the Women's Council. My pleasure. Yeah. And it's volunteer. And you don't get paid. And you're doing this work. Not only, really, you're doing it for forward motion for the women in our city, right? From, like you said, from the poorhouse to the penthouse and being mm-hmm. part of a team to really diagnose what is really happening here, yeah. right? For working women and interesting, your statistics are are not surprising to me because of the own research, you know, the research I've done, but, you know, putting out that 49% of the workforce, right? Yeah. Um, and then if you add in um, the, the number of us who are mothers, mm-hmm. um, and I don't have those statistics top of mind, but the majority of those women, that 49% are also mothers. But, and I think the studies show that it's have at least one dependent at home under the age of 18 who yeah. is not employed, who is a yeah. student. 
And I want to say it's like seven out of 10 of us or something. Mm -hmm. And so don't quote me on that, but it's close. So that being the case, we have a lot of working mothers. And, um, And in getting to know many of these women, you learned that childcare is a big obstacle, Mm -hmm. right? So that says we definitely have some solutions that could be created that aren't there right now, right? And then we have fear, which is um, men and ladies listening. I mean, just do the work. I don't know really how to solve that for you. We each have to solve it for ourselves, do the work to get over the fear, you know, and baby steps get you past the fear, right? The fear of giving up your favorite food or wine or fear of being in a large group or fear of not being successful in business. The only path to overcoming that fear is to actually freaking take a step in that direction. Yeah. Yep. And walk toward that resistance. Now, what is the third thing? Is there anything else that was compelling? I think you mentioned two or three things. Was there anything else that presented as a major obstacle to these women? I mean, we heard a lot about transportation and this is something that, you know, affected, I mean, we heard about it primarily in our groups where we invited low income women to talk with us. Okay. But, you know, one of the things that's interesting as, as our team started talking with other committees and other folks, we learned that transportation is really a hot button issue for Chattanooga. And, you know, we're growing, right? So public transportation is highly underutilized in the city. If you look at the number of people who use public transportation here in Chattanooga compared to other cities like size, not utilized at all. Most people drive, you know, that has an impact. It has an impact on the environment. It has an impact on commutes. It has an impact on traffic and we're growing. Yes. Right. So and parking. Yeah. I will say as someone who works downtown, you know, my commute to work is, you know, minimal. It's not a huge hit to my fuel budget. Okay. However, my parking at work, right. And, um, you know, still nothing against Regis. It's not Regis. It's the, it's the downtown that we're in. We only have so many options. That's a significant expense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, you look at other cities. One of the things that I thought about when we heard feedback from this first group was, you know, and this was a group of women who were largely looking for work, unemployed and looking for work, and really talked to us about the challenges they were facing with being able to, you know, find a job and get, I guess, get an interview opportunity and get hired when they disclosed they were reliant on public transportation. There was just a very negative perception. And I thought about how different that was when I lived in Boston. Public transportation, you know, I took a bus and the subway to get to work every day. I mean, to get to school, you know, every day. Um, And so did almost every person I knew. People who lived way outside of the city would drive, park their car and ride in. You know, it's very common things. It's just very different. And it's something that Chattanooga will have to tackle um, if we're going to grow the way that a lot of our citizens and our city leaders want to grow. Yeah. So there's definitely an interconnection there. And what we learned, a couple of things, you know, to tie it back to women. One, there are some bad ladies doing some awesome things oh, over yeah. at the Regional Planning Authority. Yeah. Carta okay. is headed by a woman. Didn't know that. Um, and then, you know, also Carta's ridership. Other than the downtown shuttle, the rest of the folks that that primarily ride Carta and are dependent on Carta are mostly women, mostly African-American, and um, have, have been reliant on Carta as their sole means of transportation for five years or more. So you're talking about a population that really needs the most help. And, um, you know, you could deliver some pretty big things. Yes. And it's another place where you're seeing a a huge impact on mothers. You know, so, I mean, I, I, I do think we've got a real epidemic issue with working moms. And that's a word. And I I love, I mean, not that I love that word, Mm -hmm. but there it's like, what did I say before we went on air? Like three seconds before I said, can we call this uncut? You know, because, you know, and with each show, I think as, as I'm getting more comfortable in this space, we'll become less and less, uh, you know, 
I don't think we're scripted at all, no. but maybe a little less self-regulated. But, you know, epidemic is a real, it, yeah. it, it is a problem. Yeah. I mean, and we, the, women not having, um, and, and men, particularly single parents who are men or women, mm-hmm. right? But primarily those of us who are female and and are in the workforce and parenting, there are real obstacles. And it is an epidemic when you look at um, all the different things. And I can't imagine the depth and breadth of the study. And I'm I'm curious to hear more about, and I know we can't do that today, but there's so much I want to know about, okay, what is the outcome? You know, what did you really find there? It's an epidemic in that it's affecting every woman at some level. It doesn't matter how much education you have or how much money you make. Certainly money makes life easier, Mm -hmm. but at some level you are affected by the work and family balance challenge. If you have both. right? If you have career and family. So I think we as a city, we as a country, we as a a gender, you know, we have to look to ourselves and each other to solve that epidemic and to um, basically empower each other, you know, to do more with less, right? And um, that's just a conversation that's circulating everywhere. But here in Chattanooga, I mean, kudos to you and these women on this council who have done this research. And one of the questions I did hear, and we'll wrap, we've got about three minutes. One of the questions I did hear, and I want to deliver this to the listeners before we um, close out, um, in the focus group was what's going to happen with this information, right? So are we doing this just to, you know, diagnose, you know, there's always skepticism that there will actually be action on at the end, yeah. right? So I'm not asking you to speak for the city, but are you optimistic oh. that, that we can look for good things to happen? Definitely. So I can say the team that I was a part of um, for sure was really passionate about um, we're going to have to see results. You know, this probably comes from my lengthy experience as a government lawyer, one of the questions that I asked early on was, you know, as we're making policy recommendations, the city really is is limited in its role. And, you know, here in um, in East Tennessee, you know, you'll you'll, of course, always find favor when you start asserting principles about limited government, right? Mm-hmm. The city can pass laws. The city is an employer. City leaders have a platform um, to, to talk about issues and raise awareness of issues. But if we're really going to move the needle for women, if we're going to close the pay gap, if we're going to address outdated and outmoded ways of doing business, like you've got to be strapped in this chair from eight to five, I don't care what you produce. Right. I don't care if you do nothing, but you have to be right. here so I can see you. Um then, you know, it's going to take a partnership with workers, employers, businesses, government, organizations, families. It takes everybody. Nonprofits. Right. So, um, you know, the team that I meet with, we're actually meeting tomorrow morning, nine o'clock. It's, it's, it's open. This council is, is open. So listeners, women, if you want to be involved, come on. Show up. Okay. Right. You can contact city hall. Um, you can look on the city's website, go to chattanooga.gov, Google Chattanooga mayor's council for women. You can find our work. You can find information. One of the things that we are going to be focused on over the next few weeks is really coming up with how do we take the ideas and the recommendations we've made and turn that into sustainable action? And so, you know, some of the things that we're looking at, obviously we're in an election season, so that's a pretty exciting time, right? Because you've got campaigns, you've got all kinds of platform, you've got all kinds of opportunity. Right. Um, But beyond that, you know, how do we drive and create smart partnerships to really see things happening? Um, Because... I personally would love to see Chattanooga be the first city that really does shatter this glass ceiling. And, and I'd love to be a part and of the you're team not that alone. delivers it. You're yeah. not alone. There are a lot of women in this town who want to see that happen. Some we get to hear from, others we don't. And I know some of you are listening right now. And I just want to thank you, Katie. I hate it that we have to wrap because we need to um, 
uh, we got to follow the rules here at the studio. And, and um, our time is now up. And uh, Katie King with Katie King Law, lawyer extraordinaire, amazing boss lady. I could say a lot of words. I could maybe get fired if I said <laughs> them, so I'm not going to say them. Um, but they're, I, you're just like the bomb. I'm crazy about you as a friend and um, admire you as a professional and as a mother and just the person you are and can't say enough good things. Thank you for giving us this time. Course, Your story you. is inspiring. You left a, you know, you had the real deal, right? Yeah. And you left and you started your own practice. You're a month in. I want you to come back here on Chattanooga Business Radio. Give us a few months. Let's see, you know, what your experience is and share what you've learned okay. with our listeners. And Happy I know to. that they'll want to hear that. I'm Sherry Young, your host for the Women in Business show. We're here every Wednesday at, we are here to encourage, empower, and equip. Each word counts. It's not just encourage, it's empower and equip women in business. We won't always talk entrepreneurship. We're going to move into some corporate uh, conversations with women who are executives in various corporations around town. From there, we're going to go into nonprofit later in the summer. So please stay tuned, share uh, tweet, email, all of that. You can find us on Twitter at chat biz radio. You can email, uh, Tessa who is here with us now. She's our sound engineer and, and multitasker at Chattanooga business radio. She's Tessa at business If you want any information on the show, if you want to be on the show, if you want my job, I'm not going to give it to you, but you could certainly come and help us. Um, I have to say, because there are so many women out there who would be amazing on air. And I'm a novice figuring this out as we go. But what matters is the content. We're covering content that counts, and it counts for women. So please tune in and share this show. Um, we look forward to seeing you next time. Chattanooga Business Radio, chattanooga.businessradiox.com. Have a great week.